So, Michelle. So, David. Look, it's really busy in intelligence world. Right there now. is so much going on. There's, I got super excited. There's, there's spies being arrested. There's, there's stuff going on. So, today I thought this is a really great opportunity to take a look at three separate stories that are going around yes. the intelligence world and also look at it in the vein of what it used to be like for me working for ASIO when you do a sort of like situation report yep. on what's going on in the world. Yep. And also a look at what a good operation looks like yes. and what a bad operation it's looks like. It's like we're getting back to basics. We're doing good old fashioned spy work. We're doing some real spy work. And look, the first story is an absolute Lacare cracker. It's a cracker. It, I was like, when I, when I read this, it was in the New York Times when I read it, I was like, ooh, we have to unpack this. And then, then you sent it to me and I went, ooh. <laughs> and then there's another one, a local story, yeah. which I'm really excited about. And then there's just, basically, it's a mess. It's a hot mess, the last one. Well, let's just go all get it undone and out. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready for a situation report. Listening to I Spied, the good, the bad, the ugly of Australian intelligence. Well, I've got a very, very good operation. It's very nice. Very good. This is a good one. And uh, look, I'm really sorry, but unfortunately, I blew up my car on the way. That's bad. And and no one will sleep with me. Oh, that's well, I get that. Yeah, kiss. Okay. Hello and welcome to I Spy. My name is Michelle Stevenson. I'm here with David Callan, and we're gonna get we're gonna get back to like what we kind of started with. Our, our like primary podcasting was spy all basics. about spy basics. Yeah. And before we get started, because there there are three things that we wanna we wanna kind of tuck into, I wanna ask if you've been watching The Diplomat. No, I have not. Okay, do yourself a favor, and yep. I want the listeners to do themselves a favor. Watch The Diplomat. It is on Netflix. It is very good. Rufus Sewell, Kerry Russell. And if you're into spies and foreign policy and kind of everything we kind of talk about, this is the story for you. You just said Rufus Sewell and I'm in. I know. Because after The Man in the High Castle, Rufus Sewell was so good in that. And it's interesting because off the back of this, it's made me do The Americans because I actually never watched The Americans and everyone raved about it. Guilty as charged. I know. So I'm halfway through The Americans as well. So I'm, I'm totally on a whole like Kerry Russell spy yeah. genre. Thing. I'm going to be totally honest with you. Right now I'm re-watching The X-Files and I'm kind of <laughs> wishing I wasn't because you're like, it. back in the day it was such an impactful and also, amazing David show. David Duchovny, I, I like every girl was in love with him. Yeah, but I, I don't get it. He's kind of a blank slate. But anyway, no, let's fine. get down okay, to yes. business. Now, this is the story that you came up with. It's Ali Razi Akbari. Now, he yep. was an Iranian political hawk. This yes. guy was like full on. He was yep. a, a major zealot, deputy defense minister, member of the Supreme National Security Council of Iran. Mm. I mean, this guy was what you would call the archetypal Iranian zealot. He was just full on Iran. He was like he was openly declaring that Iran should have nuclear weapons. Yes. This guy was right in amongst it. So then, how did he become a spy for the British? Exactly. Unfortunately, on January 11th this year, he was put to death by Executed. hanging at yeah. the neck by the Iranian government. Now he started out. He and his there was a great interview. Part of that uh, article you mentioned, mm. they talked to his brother, and he and his brother went and joined the army during the Iranian Revolution, and then during the war with Iraq, and. When when they got back, he uh, he was so impressive with his work on the battlefield that he wound up being a commander of the Iraq, Iranian Republican Guard Corps, which is a big gig. That's mm. and that's a real sort of hardcore hardliners like career path. After that, he 
just started descending in his political the political ranks. Yeah, and what's what was interesting about this story too, because I kind of got it got really confusing for me because it started with how in two thousand and eight a senior British intelligence official flew to Tel Aviv to deliver an explosive revelation to his Israeli counterparts that Britain had a mole in Iran with high level access to the country's nuclear and defense programs. Yeah. So I was like in my head I'm like why why was he saying that to his Israeli. It was like very convoluted and confusing. Well, here's the thing, all right, and this reflects on a, the next story we'll talk about, mm. which is the local story, is intelligence services that work as allies, yeah. so allied intelligence services in Australia, America, Canada, Britain, New Zealand, you've got the five eyes, you've got the quad. Yeah. We will share intelligence and we'll do intelligence work for each other. But, we're, so, but will you share moles? Like I would imagine that you wouldn't do that. Well, you wouldn't share moles. But the first thing, Israel, when when you turn around and say, look, we found this thing and it's called Fordo yeah. and it's the Iranian nuclear facility just outside yeah. Tehran, the first thing Israel is going to do is go, where'd you get that information? Where'd you find that yeah. out from? <laughs> and it's like, I was actually, I was reading the paper. It's like, uh, Google Maps. Yeah, Google I Maps. I zoomed in. Yeah, I just couldn't believe it. There it was. <laughs> Yeah. I was looking up Frodo and I got it wrong and yeah. boom, it came up. Right, no, the whole thing is you do need to in some way satisfy the credibility of your source. So yeah. they would have said, look, we've got someone inside. Yeah. Now, they wouldn't have gone any further than that. That would have been the limit of it. They would have said there's someone, we've got someone in Iranian defence, they're very close to the nuclear program, and he was. He was actually the 2IC to one of the main guys yes, in the program. Yes, and, and the information that he was giving was quite like like high-level stuff. It it was the stuff that basically meant the the West would sanction yes. uh, Iran because of their nuclear program to try and bring it down. Now, the interesting thing about it was he wasn't in government all that long. He left government somewhere around, um, where was it, 2012, he went to yes. England and he was made an English citizen, citizen, right? But he had all these business interests overseas, one in Austria, one here, one there, all this stuff going on in Europe. At one point, his brother actually turned around and said, we should probably run an oil company to which Al Reza just by turned around and said, look, sorry, already got something going on in Austria. Yes, so apparently he had all these kind of like front kind of um, businesses happening so he could make excuses to go and do drop-offs and meet Yeah, he had reasons to go and see his handlers, right? So that was the big thing. Now, but even though he was working in Europe and living in England, Mm. he still was very well regarded within the Iranian government. So they were still talking to him. He was still advising them on things they should do. So he was built – his reputation within the government hadn't been slighted by the fact that he wasn't a member of the government anymore. And that, again, that's a beautiful piece of cover you've got there is this guy is – He's the perfect spy in that he's the spy that no one would believe is a spy. Yeah, I mean, this was a guy that also, he was so religious that he had that kind of dent on the forehead that they get from, like, praying to the clay stone. The clay stone. He's, yeah. he, he prayed so hard he yeah. dented himself yes. doing it. Right, so this is a guy who's obviously very, very devout and very, very patriotic. So why? This is the big yeah. question everyone says. Now, uh, His family, though, say that he didn't do he it. He didn't do it, right? But the problem is when they look at the timing, there's a lot of information that came out of the interviews. By the way, he was interviewed for, he what, was. three or four years. And when you say interviewed, he was in Evan Prison, which is one of the worst places you can find yourself in Iran. Mm. Um, if you're in there and they're interviewing you, it's not going to be comfortable. Yeah, because he believes he – well, his family believes he was coerced. He was totally coerced. He had released, I think it was four videos – confessing all of his mm. his crimes, all of his espionage. And the whole thing was 
there is no real tangible reason for him to doing it. What's the motivation? Yes, yeah, because they were saying money was a motivation. But, and power. And power. But then he he was fine. He didn't need money. He didn't need the power. So it's kind of like all the reasonings they were given. He had he was paid something like two and a half million pounds yes. by the Brits yep. uh, for his services. Apparently. Apparently. Allegedly. Uh, well, you know, according to the Iranians, yeah. he was and he yep. was executed. That's the thing. He was walked out of his cell, walked into a courtyard, a rope was around his neck yep. and he hung from the gibbet. Yeah, because they, in addition to accusing him of revealing its their nuclear and military secrets, they've also said he disclosed the identity and activities of over a hundred officials. Now including the uh, chief yeah, nuclear yeah. scientist. Mosen Fikhazadi, who yeah. was the guy that the Israelis assassinated. The Israelis assassinated with a robot. Yeah, with a robot. It was. It was a robot. It was a. It was essentially a drone. It was a an independent firing machine gun. Mm. Well, basically, it was a thirty millimeter cannon that basically it destroyed yep. his vehicle and yep. him inside it. So the whole thing was. I mean, there you go. The Iranians knew about this and mm. they were able to plan. Now, funnily enough, this happened in two thousand and twenty. That assassination took place in two thousand and twenty. Ali Rezi was already, Akbari had already been arrested. Yeah, because a lot of this, they said a lot of this information, I believe, that he was releasing was like 2008. Yeah, well, that was earlier. And he'd originally been accused of uh, of espionage in 2008. So if he had given the identity of this scientist, surely 2020 is a real long time to wait to assassinate someone. Timing. Right. It's all and look. That's one of the things you've got to understand about the Israelis is they ha- are, patient. are patient. They will wait. I mean, <laughs> they hold a grudge. If you've ever watched <laughs> Munich, there's that thing where they went, yeah. okay, we're going to go and we're going to kill every one of these Palestinians mm. that were involved in the Munich um, yeah. Olympics, right? So, but that, the whole thing was, it takes a lot of time. Yeah, to set to something right. like that up and to get it absolutely right to know that it's going to be a clean kill, everything's fine and. They don't care if they wind up being named for it. It's quite obvious who's doing it. So is it just possible that he was a scapegoat, that someone else kind of had released this information and had set him up? Now, that's a really interesting point, right? Is there someone else in the Iranian government that would have turned around and yeah. gone, hang on, they're getting close to yeah. me. How about I point them that way? Because if there's one thing I've learned from watching spy drama, <laughs> this is possible. It's never the person you yeah. think it is. No. Here's the thing that's really important is during the interviews, a lot of the dates and times and yes. situations that he confessed to all do match up. Yes, they right? do. They all line up pretty well, right? That's point number one. Point number two, the British went, oh, how dare you say that? We oh, we never did that at all, mm. which is pretty much a confession that they did. The, they've condemned it, the whole ball of wax. The interesting thing, and I think the thing that really sticks out for me mm. is the Israeli part of it, yep. right? The Same. fact that they found out about someone like Fakhizada, the nuclear scientist. Yes. and waited so long to. That's a hard one to, that's yeah. a really, really hard one to square, mm. right? And particularly because he worked so closely with him. Yeah. He'd know the kind of information like how he travels, where he travels, when he travels, all that sort of stuff is going to come out, right? And interestingly enough, the fact that it happened post his arrest may lend the fact that, well, how did they know though he was going to be then at that location then? Mm. But that might have just been, we know who we've got to look for. Let's get eyes on the asset and work out his schedule and then we can break it down from that. So I look, I personally, I think by the way it sounds, the fact that he was such a hardcore zealot is no reason for him not to do it. Yeah, but I do think he was an unlikely spy, and that's what a lot of people are saying. He had fanatical allegiance as well to the ideals. 
Ah, but he might be fanatically like welded to the Islamic State, but that doesn't mean he's happy with the way the Islamic State is being run. Yeah, I understand right? that, but usually you, the fanatics are, the, are pretty hard to flip, I would imagine. Like to to kind of go against your country. Not exactly. Right. No? That's No, that's a really interesting point. People go, mm. oh, the fanatics are the hardest ones to crack. Not necessarily because they are so fanatical it's very easy to flip them to yeah. be fanatical in a different direction, yeah. right? It's 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 one if, of those. If you, if you coerce them into believing that what they're doing is for the greater good, exactly. Yeah. Remember, money, ideology, compromise, yeah. ego. This would in this recruiting case, and he was recruited through the British Embassy, I believe. Yeah. Right, he went to a function at the British Embassy, yes. and very quickly he's suddenly handing secrets over. Right now, again. We're never going to know. Or you know what? We will know in about 30 years how this came about. Mm. But if you look at something like that, if they can appeal to the ideology in the right way, and I've got to be honest with you, British human handlers are exceptionally good at their job. Yeah, I would imagine. Right? So someone very persuasive is going to turn around and basically say, look, we, underst- look, we, we understand. We, we totally support the fact. Mm. But the reason the world has a problem with the Islamic State is the Islamic State's being run by idiots and you're the right sort of person to do it. Mm. So ego yes, is going to be yeah, promoted yeah, yeah, of and the ideology. We, we, we have no problems with your ideology. We have problems with the way people are undermining your ideology and that's how you flip, right? People that are that passionate about things aren't rational. So you can literally switch the rationalization around and that way recruit them, Yep. right? So the, uh, to me, this is like a really, really, it's a terrible end to a Le Carre novel. Yeah, even they said when he was arrested, originally he was held for four months on accusations that he was spying for Britain. Apparently the interrogations didn't yield a confession at that point. No. And then he was released on bail. Yeah. So, well, but the also thing is he was arrested in 2008 and then the case Mm. was just closed. Yeah. Right. And that might have been because everyone went, are you kidding? He's like... He's the he's got a dent in his forehead, guys. He's one of the dented forehead people. Yeah, come on, he can't be a spy. And on because of that, a lot of like there's probably some poor bloody intelligence officer in the Ministry of Intelligence of Iran going, why won't anyone listen to me? I know this guy is you know doing the dirty. We've got to get, grab him. But everyone's just going, shut up, sit down. You don't know what you're talking about, son. But like I, my thing is, if he did do this, mm-hmm. he had all these accusations. He was released. And then in 2019, he flew to Iran for a final time after apparently he was told that the country needed him on an urgent nuclear and defence matter. Yes. Why, if he had done these things, surely he would go, mm, they're on to me, I'm never going back to Iran. But again- Do you this, know what I mean? Yeah, I, I totally mean it. But here's a really important thing. Mate, uh, there's some stuff going on with the nuclear program. We really need your advice on it. Yeah. I'm a spy yeah. uh, or I'm a, an agent within a, a government and my government but has turned around But he's already been arrested previously and questioned about being a spy. And released case closed. I know, but also wouldn't you just go, mm, maybe they're on to me. <laughs> but this may be information that I really need to get to my handler. Yeah, okay. Right. I don't so know. that's the big thing. I just wouldn't go back to a run. You dangle a carrot. Mm. Right. I, I understand totally. 2020 hindsight is the most powerful tool that we all have. I know, but, but I wouldn't do it. <laughs> if you dangle that carrot saying, mate, there's this big thing going on in the nuclear program. Can you get back so we can um, mm. get your advice on it? He's going to go, geez, I want to get back and get that piece of information. Yep. Get back to London. And then he walks in there and the handcuffs go on and he's chucked into Evan prison. And basically he's yep. counting the days down. Yeah. Right. So this is the problem is 
there is again, and this comes back. Go, let's leap back to our artificial intelligence episode. And yeah, how artificial intelligence could replace spies? They can't simply because people think very differently. We're we're not rational. We're not linear. We don't think in a way that's normal. Well, no, you're not rational. Well, I'm I'm completely <laughs> rational. Everything makes sense. Um, Nothing you say or do makes sense. When uh, right? Okay, so, so look. They, this is a really good article, and I will. We should put it up. We'll at put it up on the. We'll we'll definitely put it up. But the the most interesting thing about mm. this is this is an operation that ran for let's see two thousand and four. I think you started sharing secrets. Yeah. Right. So two thousand and four. That's you know to two thousand and nineteen. Fifteen years. This guy was sharing secrets. That's a bloody bloody strong and very successful operation. Yes. It ended badly for the for, for the asset. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? That's the price you pay. Okay, so let's move on. We'll go to is was there something else you had to say? No, 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 no. You're absolutely right. It's time to move on because we've got another carrot being dangled yeah. here to bring us into the next story. Now, let's talk about an ex US Marine naval pilot called Daniel Duggan. I love Daniel Duggan. Daniel Duggan. D D. Yeah. Father of six. Oh. And lives in Australia. Yep. Yes, he did. Right. Now, Daniel Duggan was a, a marine pilot. And yep. now marine pilots, fighter pilots, are really good at landing and taking off from ships, a- aircraft carriers. Yeah, right? like, which is really quite a skill. It is. And such a skill that if you teach other people how to do it, that could be regarded as arms dealing. Yeah. And right. we have, you know, we've recently cracked down on this. Yeah, we have. We don't want people teaching other people, particularly no. people that could be enemies, even though they keep buying our buildings. Particularly dirt and- when the Chinese say, hey, we've got a really great job offer. We'll pay you all of this money just to teach us how to do this. Aha, but they didn't. A guy in South Africa went, I've got a really good job for you teaching these blacks how to land and take off from aircraft carriers. And Duggan <laughs> went, well, hell, I'd like to try that. Yeah. Right, And got paid an Enormous extraordinary amount of money, amount of money yeah. to teach these guys that looked extremely Chinese yes. how to take off and land from aircraft carriers. It's, now, it's, it's kind of like, it's like, you know, when you, you send your money offshore. That's yeah. what they were doing. So let's send our, our pilots offshore yeah. to learn how to fly yes. offshore. Right. And so, into buildings. No, yeah. not into buildings. So the whole thing was he went and mm. did all of this stuff. Now, he's been working in China. He wound up working in China in an unrelated position. He wasn't teaching people yeah. to fly over there. He actually had a business in Australia for a while that he he sold so he could go and work in China. To make shit tons of cash and yeah. training their pilots how to do stuff? No, not in China. He wasn't doing that in China. No, he wasn't doing that in China. I, but I like... He was working for a charter airline or something. I'm not sure. But anyway, Daniel Duggan gets a phone call from Australia and he's told, if you come back to Australia, ASIO are going to give you a security clearance and you can work in defence. And he went, hell yeah, I want to do that. Yeah. There's even more money in defence. Comes back to Australia, suddenly there is no security clearance. Oh. And then the AFP and ASIO show up at his house in Orange, rural New South Wales. Interesting that he was living in Orange. And arrested him last yeah. October. Yeah. For arms dealing. Yeah. Right. Now, the whole thing about this is he's got to be extra. He, we weren't arresting, arresting him for us. We were arresting him on behalf of the United States government. Yes, because he's US. He's US citizen. Yeah. And he's breached the US law. Well, yeah. he's kind of breached an international and law. And the Americans don't like that stuff. Well, they don't. And they certainly do want to discourage any other pilots yeah. that might think, hey, I can make a cheap buck going down to South Africa to teach the Chinese how to fly. <laughs> well, and, and what, what this did as well is it kind of sparked a whole conversation in Australia with ASIO about – 
you know, very similar stuff. And we, we had to make it very clear that we will not tolerate our any of our ex-defence personnel training anyone else. Anyone in, else to yeah. do things that they might then yeah. use against us yes. in a, you know, a fit of aggression. Yes. Now, here's the big problem with that. Mm. America does this all the time. America will contact people and very They're, much... America is like, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, very much like Akbari... Can you please come back to Iran? We really need to talk to you, right? And suddenly you're arrested. With Duggan, you want to come back to Australia? We'll give you a security clearance. You can work for defence. Yeah. Hell, yeah, that's great. That's called a lure. Yeah. Now, in Australia, we're not allowed to do that. In America, they do it all the time. Yeah. And it's not regarded as illegal. In Australia, it is illegal. We're not allowed to do that. Not allowed to do a lure? No, we're not allowed to lure you back. The other thing that's a real problem is... A lot of people, in fact, Duggan's lawyers are basically saying that mm. this is a political witch hunt. They're basically saying that Duggan is being accused of a crime because of the political situation between China and America. Right. Right. He was just doing a job, man. Coming out of his lawyers, come yeah. on. He was just doing a job. He loves to fly and teach other people yeah, how yeah, to do yeah. it. Who cares who it was? Well, the American government care because at the moment this is a potential military adversary. Yeah. Right. Now, because of that, in Australia, by the law, we cannot extradite someone to a, another nation if the crime is politically based. Right. Right. So if you're being accused, like it would be like if Trump came to Australia because he'd been regarded as, you know, you know, for whatever crimes he's done, he's come to Australia to hide. Mm. Why do that? God, please don't do that. He could not hide here. He could not hide here. There is, there, we don't have rocks big enough. <laughs> Everyone would just go, that tan is bullshit, mate. <laughs> yeah. Right. So basically... It, if America went, you know, if the Democratic Party or mm. the Democratic government went, we want to arrest him, Australia would be obliged to go, look, we can't actually send him back because it's political. Yeah. And this is what the argument that Duggan's lawyers are making. They're basically saying that this is a political crime he's being accused of, therefore we can't extradite. And on top of that, he was lured to Australia under false pretenses. That, again, makes the arrest null and void. Yeah. And he should be released. Yeah. Now, here's the really terrible thing. is He was arrested in October. He's been in maximum security solitary since then. Wow. That's a really, really hard road to hoe. Yeah. Right? That would be a, a very unpleasant way. It makes it very difficult for his lawyers to talk to him. It makes it very difficult for him to talk to anybody. And he's got six poor children. Six kids. Right? And now, And – Quite honestly, he probably did it like most ex kind of defense force. He probably did it for the money. He wasn't oh. even thinking about like who he was training or why he was training them. It was like, oh, okay, they're going to pay me some money. I can't go to the motivations of why he did it. Uh, but yes, they're going to pay me a shit ton of cash. We'll generally bring a lot of people to the table. Now, well, because my um, my dad, after he, you know, left the Air Force, he went and worked overseas. He worked for British Aerospace yeah. in Spain, but he also worked in Saudi Arabia for yeah. years and Dubai. Yeah, well, the Saudis are still our friends. Yeah. Uh, I know, but like, of. you know, it's like what I guess what I'm saying Where is... Where do you draw the yeah, line? Yeah, exactly. The line that the Americans are drawing is you can't teach Chinese how to do this because they're currently our enemy, even though they're not, and even though we yes. still trade with them. That's the it's, point, right? It's, yeah, again, it's this really messy, muddy thing that's going on about China's surging at mm. the moment. Their, their, their resurgence, uh, I don't want to say resurgence because it's not that they've ever been in this position globally ever before. They've got this real groundswell going behind them. They're beginning yep. to take a position. I mean, the fact that they're trying to negotiate a peace deal between the Ukraine and Russia, sorry, 
because they're trying to negotiate a deal between <laughs> Ukraine and Russia, that that isn't them trying to control anything. Yeah. That's them trying to create a presence on the global stage, yeah. right? The way America used to. But unfortunately, America's kind of tied into Ukraine and they can't negotiate the peace deal in good faith because they're not a third neutral party. Yes. China is. China has not traded with any weaponry. They haven't sold it. Sorry, to this point, they haven't sent any arms into Russia. Therefore, they can stand as a neutral party. And they have approached both Zelensky and they approached, approached Putin. Mm. They've met with both of them and said, we need to talk about this, which makes perfect sense, yep. right? America don't want to lose their hegemony. They don't want to lose their primacy on the global stage. No. But China is in a real position to do that, right? And also they've had this incredible military buildup. Like mm. the speed at which they've built stuff. We can't build a sub in our country in 20 years. They're building two a year. Yeah. Right. They they've already outstripped the U, uh, the U.S. Navy, like for ships. Whether they're as good, whether they're going to be well, and then there's competitive, but also the economy is in a fragile state over in China. Everyone's economy is in a fragile well, state. But theirs is um, a little bit more fragile than others. It's propped up. It's look. I think I think some things are really going to shift over the next twenty years when it comes to China, and we're going to get like some real answers into where they sit economically and how much power and persuasion they actually do have. I think it's going to be a lot closer than twenty. I reckon mm. within the next decade, this is going yep. to sort itself out. I don't believe that we're going to drop into a war in three years. And if we do, it's well tough for us because we don't have the kit to, to fight it. Yeah. So anyway, we've, there's Duggan. We've kind of really unpacked that. Yeah, we've unpacked that. The, the For me, with the Duggan case, this is one to watch, yep. right? And I think he's in court again. Again, this is another thing that his lawyers are complaining about is he's stuck in solitary confinement yeah. in a maximum security prison. Yeah. I think it's a, he's either... Someone said Lithgow, but I've also heard Silverwater, probably Lithgow if yeah. he's Max. But the other thing about this is he's going to be stuck there until his court case. And I don't think his court case is until late July, mm. the next hearing. This is rough. This is yep. really hard for him. Now, personally, I think dumb mistake. Yeah. You know, you got there and they went, oh, by the way, they're Chinese, uh, you know, they're PLA pilots. It's like, dude, I can't do this. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Right? But, you know, when there's this big bag of money sitting there. Yeah, and you kind of wouldn't be like, you know, is it bad? Like, I don't know. You'd kind of like. It's not like I taught them how to do it well. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I taught them how to fail at it. (laughs) I taught them how to do it, but they're not very good at it, don't they? So speaking of failing. Failing. Right. Okay. Now, this this is is my favorite one. one, And it brings us back to Ukraine and, and Russia and everything that's going on there. The drone strike on the Kremlin. I know. And like, they're like, he's okay. Vladimir Putin is okay. He wasn't even there. No one knows with Vladimir. We don't even know if Vladimir Putin is alive. There's so many body. He has so many body doubles. It's like weekend at Bernie's over there. Yeah. Well, they basically drag around a dummy that just yeah. has a sort of wearing a judo suit. Yeah. Um, now, the thing is, this is, I really like this because as soon as it happened, you know, Moscow was like, oh, it was an act of terrorism yeah. and we are now within our rights to perform yeah. acts of terrorism against Ukraine. No, wait, 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 <laughs> wait, wait, wait. And then, of course, Ukraine went, I love that. I think it was one of the generals turned around and went, well, militarily, it's a stupid idea. Yeah. Why would we do it? Yeah. It's bad use of resources. It's an unlikely. It's unlikely to succeed. And top of it, it does nothing. And no one believed them. The United yeah. States didn't believe them. Like, no one believed them. No one believed them. Now, here's the thing. Of course, as soon as the Americans went, this is 
kind of ridiculous, yeah. right? That's when the Russians went, well, obviously, you did it. It was you. <laughs> America, you dirty, dirty dogs. You have been sending your drones. Now, here's the thing about this. A couple of things. One, getting a drone into Moscow clandestinely is really complicated. Yeah. Right. And we're not talking – a predator drone's not going to get there. Right, a predator drone would probably be shot down somewhere mm. around the border. If, uh, if not, there's something seriously wrong with the air defence in Russia. Right now, there's that one: getting two drones in there and getting two operating teams with them. That's that that's hard. That's yep. really really complicated. Two: if you're going to attack the Kremlin with two drones mm. to take out the head of government of the Russian people. You're going to know that he's there, all right? Yeah. You are going to make sure he's in the room. You're not just going to like willy-nilly send over a drone on the off chance that Putin yeah. might be there. Hey, Vladimir, you want to throw something at Vladimir? Let's do it, right? No, it doesn't work no. like that. <laughs> and also to do something like this, particularly when your city is being you know, nightly either struck by missiles or, you know, strafed by or bombed by planes. Actually, they don't, they're not bombing with planes. They don't have air superiority. But if your capital city is being struck nightly, you know, a lot of people would go, well, a couple of drones into the Kremlin. Well, not even into the Kremlin. They were shot down before they got there. Mm. Uh, you know, payback's a fair deal. But here's the thing. It does nothing for the Ukraine. No. Because it immediately, A, it will start stirring up yeah. um, resentment in Russia. And also and they don't they don't want to give them am, any ammunition, so to speak, or reasoning for firing on them. Nobody wants to give anyone, anyone any ammunition <laughs> no. because they all want to sell it because everyone wants ammunition yeah. at the moment. The interesting thing about this was it really reeks as a false flag. Yeah. It stinks of a false flag and a really badly carried out false flag. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people have been saying regularly, or quite a lot after this incident occurred, was this is essentially a, a green light for the Russians to go, right, let's just drop this into terrorism. Yeah. Let's, no, let's ignore the rules of war. Let's, you know, ignore the laws of engagement and let's just go hell for leather. Yeah. Because we've got the big spring offensive. Everyone's waiting for the big spring offensive to start. Mm. You've got the spring offensive and then you're going to have the counter offensive from the Ukrainians. It's going to get really grisly. Yeah. And the Russians need an excuse to get to up the ante. And I think for me, the whole Kremlin idea is that sending two drones in, means nothing to the Russians to waste two drones. It means nothing to waste two drones. They're mm. very cheap, the ones that they're using these days. Um, a, you've got control of the situation. B, the boss isn't in, so it's not going to hurt him. Mm. Uh, the visual looks great. We can now beat our chest and scream at America. America will stand there going, what did I do? Yeah. Right? And the Ukrainians will be sitting there going, oh, Christ, now what do we have to deal with? So essentially for me, this is like we had – when you look at Akbari and yep. the MI6 would have been running yep. him, that's an incredible operation. When you look at Duggan, I, I, I'm going to call this one the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. Right? The good Akbari operation. The bad, the Duggan operation yep. because it's got legal holes all through it. And the ugly is this because this is just a nasty little false flag 100%. to justify added brutality in what is already an and we see awful right conflict. It. Yeah, we, we see do. Right we do. Nice try, Vlad, but uh, look, go back to the drawing board yeah. and maybe just stop killing people. Yeah, or that's if you're still alive or even still exist. Well, look, at the moment, who knows? The other thing about this, and I think it's a really important point to remember with mm. this Kremlin drone strike, is the Kremlin's leaking like a, a sieve at the moment. Mm. 
like they would know where he actually is. They would, yeah. yeah. The intelligence. I, I, yeah. I would be very surprised if Western intelligence don't know where he is on a daily basis. Yeah. And also on top of that, I think they would know enough not to try something this foolish. Now, the Russian intelligence services are going through a lot of mm. uh, a lot of problems at the moment. Their assets in Europe are being absolutely kicked around. Yeah, one hundred percent. As we said before, we started recording when we were talking about this. At the moment, the entire intelligence world is a state of yep. flux. Spies are coming out of the woodwork, and you know, and popping up on Discord yep. and Twitter and wherever. I think over the next few months, there's going to be a lot of activity yeah. in the intelligence world as everything. Like, people are going to have to start settling and realizing it's going back to basics for their intelligence services, back to basics for their operations, and really just working out where the information is and where it can flow to. Let's just get it back to basics, please. Thank you.